Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. At the second hour of the show, we did our our, our, our follow-up. I was going to say conclusion. I'm sure we have much more to come. But uh, our follow-up to what is the American dream? And I gave my best go at it. I gave my best attempt to define it. And if you subscribe to SiriusXM, then you can listen to the second hour of the show. Uh, we're going to present here, though, the first opening half hour, which was the first breakdown of the debate from last night with DeSantis and Newsom. And in short, uh, Newsom, uh, excuse me, DeSantis did uh, as well as I could ever imagine or ask him to do. Uh, well done, Ron DeSantis. Here's our breakdown. America's the greatest country in the world. It's a Friday. Thanks for being here. Last night was very satisfying. It is as much as I could have asked for. Now, there might be a little bit of an analysis based off uh, you know, relative to expectations. That may be true. Granted. But even so. Ron DeSantis did a fantastic job last night and clearly won the debate. And it was excellent and satisfying. So here's the bottom line. Let me come out with the bottom line. Then we'll, uh, we'll break it down. We've got a ton of clips, obviously. The play here, this, this is like the grand conclusion. We'll come right out with the grand conclusion. The play here for Newsom, governor of California, was to be so good so dominant, so charming and charismatic and Obama-like and messianic that this morning, the entire Democratic establishment would stand up and say, hold on, hold the show, <laughs> or boat, hold the boat? What are you holding? What are you hold? Hold the, what's the expression? <laughs> hold, stop the presses. We can't go on with Biden anymore. I, I just thought we were going with Biden because the backup is Kamala. I didn't know this guy was available. We we need him now. Oh, man. Okay, well, how do we get rid of Biden? Like that Newsom's goal was to be so good that it would create this massive behind-the-scenes movement to get rid of Biden and put Newsom in for 2024. That was the plan from Gavin Newsom. And mission not accomplished. And it wasn't accomplished because of Ron DeSantis. My uh, TV producer, he texted me this. He said, DeSantis's main object uh, objective tonight was to halt Newsom from being the clear-cut successor to Biden so much that they have to throw Biden out right now. And DeSantis accomplished that. DeSantis jammed him up and made sure that Newsom was not the guy. Now, I th think it's clear that Donald Trump would rather run against Joe Biden than Gavin Newsom. Trump would rather run against Joe Biden. I, we can make that argument, I suppose, but I think that's pretty obvious. And DeSantis stopped Newsom from, from taking the place of Joe Biden. Oh, of course, it, listen, Joe Biden has a stroke or something. Well, then, then he's still there, right? But as long as uh, Biden's still standing, literally, as long as he can still walk, I guess, maybe, maybe not even then, as long as he still has a heart rate, a pulse, Biden's going to be the nominee now for 2024. And that's better for Trump. And all Republicans owe a thank you to Ron DeSantis for that. Ron DeSantis, who would have saw this? Ron DeSantis has kept Joe Biden in the race. Ron DeSantis kept Newsom out of the 2024 presidential race, kept Biden in the race, which is better for Donald Trump to win. 
that then so that's my that's the, I think that's the conclusion my grand conclusion of it. I can't wait to take your phone calls to eight six six nine five Patriot what you thought about yesterday last night and the ramifications of it uh, but it was uh, I couldn't have imagined it going much better at all for Ron DeSantis also well done to Hannity the way he framed things uh, excellent he came out with the facts and the figures up front making Gavin have to defend these positions like like hey Gavin. It, the questions weren't, you know, crime's really bad. It was, hey, Gavin, here are the crime rates in California and Florida. Oh, by the way, here's the definition of what we mean by crime. We mean rape, murder, aggravated, right? <clears throat> here's the crime rates. Here are the crime rates per capita. So don't go playing this population game. Here are the gas price. Or, uh, explain yourself. And, and you, that's really hard, <laughs> really hard to do. Gavin, here are the gas prices in your state. And there's, and Gavin's like, oh, price gouging. And DeSantis rightfully comes back and says, well, why aren't they price gouging in Florida? Or like, what are you talking about price gouging? But Gavin can get away with saying price gouging in California. He does it all the time. Oh, they're price gouging us. Why, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense at all. You drive to Vegas. You drive from California to Vegas, and the, the gas prices are half as much in Nevada. They're not price gouging in Nevada. But he, he can get away with that stuff to a California audience who thinks that California is its own country and, and live in that, that bubble. Hey, Gavin, here are the tax rates in California, 13.3%, versus the tax rates in Florida. What's, what gives here? What's, what, like they have roads in Florida. They have schools. They have sheriff's department. What do you, how could that possibly be? Oh, by the way, Gavin, before you even get to, that's only for the richest 1%, here's the tax rate for your median income of $80,000. It's still 6%. And before you get to, oh, but uh, what about property taxes? And uh, here are the property taxes. Slightly higher in Florida. That's it. Uh, what about sales taxes? Sales taxes are higher in California. So, all right, Gavin, explain yourself. Well done, Hannity and Hannity's team. That was uh, perfect setup for nearly every question. Thought DeSantis in, in general will play some specifics here. I thought DeSantis stayed calm the entire time, very casual. Uh, whoever his consultant is who says he needs to smile more, you don't need to smile more. Right? It's, it's like Trump doesn't smile when he's up debating or anything. You don't need to always be smiling if, that, if that's not you. Now, that's Gavin. Gavin needs to always smile. Right, because that's his shtick. But if you're DeSantis, you can just stand there. You don't have to smile. But anyway, in general, stayed calm, stayed casual. Did a, a couple moments where he would look at the camera and say, "Come on, <laughs> does anyone watching at home really believe that it's cheaper to live in California? <laughs> does anyone, anyone, anyone listening home really think that, that people are moving to California because it's so affordable?" Is anyone moving to California because they want to they buy a house and raise their family? Come on. Who's, who's believing that? Great. Great moments. All right. Here's uh, part of the opening statement from DeSantis. When I was in the Navy. I got orders to go to Naval Amphibious Base Coronado in Southern California. And I was a lifeline Floridian, but I went there and I was like, man, this is one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I think California has more natural advantages than any state in the country. You almost have to try to mess California up. And yeah, that's what Gavin Newsom has done since he's been governor. He's the first governor to ever lose population. They actually at one point ran out of U-Hauls in the state of California because so many people were leaving. Of course, he's imposed restrictions on his own people while exempting himself from those restrictions and going to the French laundry while his people were suffering. He led the country in school closures, locking kids out of school while he had his own kids in private school in person. Now, he's very good at spinning these, these tales. He's good at, at being slick and slippery. He'll, he'll tell a blizzard of lies to be able to try to mask the failures. But the reality is they have failed because of his leftist ideology. And the choice for America is this. What Biden and Harris and Newsom want to do is take the California model and do that nationally. In Florida, we show that conservative principles work. This country must choose freedom over failure. 
Uh, that's really good. The Blizzard of Lies is a great way of putting what we've been talking about the last couple of days of his uh, just steamrolling. There's this rampage. Just go boom, 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 boom. Uh, I like that Blizzard of Lies. And then Newsom's opening statement, no good. Went, went right to this very uh, inauthentic sounding, pre-rehearsed, oh, they want to take us back to the 1960s talking point. And first of all, that doesn't work because like, usually it's, do they say 50s? Usually they say the 50s. And I hear that, I'm like, wow, 50s were like awesome. Like 50s sounded great. I would love to go back to the 50s, actually. That's like, because in the 50s, there were no uh, queer, green-haired, non-binary kindergarten teachers. For example, among other things in the 50s that were pretty good, actually. And that was such a, a weird moment because DeSantis sounded more authentic and natural and casual in their opening statements than, than Newsom did. I was like, oh, whoa, all right, pretty good. And then this was just a couple minutes in. Excuse me, yeah, sir. Last so, but one of the things that I did, I had, uh, I was talking to a gentleman a couple, guys, I know. Guys, I'm gonna, let this, to a, I'm gonna let the debate breathe, but it's his turn. Let's, right. take, let's take turns. So I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he's really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, you know, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. So we do count Gavin's in-laws as some of the people that have fled California um, and come to the state of Florida. And, and why are we why are we getting uh, that's true, by the way, <laughs> Gavin Newsom's in-laws right in the beginning of COVID moved to Florida. I almost, if I was DeSantis, that's such a, that's like a, such a surreal, like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, how could that be true? If it is, I was, you, want, you could have stopped there. You could have really pinned that up against Newsom. Newsom, why'd your family move to my state? Your family moved to my state. What's up? And just let that sit. Let that awkwardness <laughs> sit there for a moment and let him try to explain that. But DeSantis kept going, which is fine, but he could have he could have really paused there. Come, we have a 50-year low in the crime rate. You don't see in the last 10 years, we've had a 45% decline in homelessness. California's had a 45% increase in homelessness. We back the blue. I was walking the streets of San Francisco a couple months ago, and I had some of the cops in San Francisco do a beeline to come over to me, and I didn't know what they were going to say. And they're like, we want to thank you for standing for law enforcement because we don't get that support in the All state right. of California. So people understand me... quality of life matters. They understand that Florida's doing it right. And I can tell you the numbers speak for themselves. We have way more Let people move moving on. to this state than leaving. Gavin can't say the opposite. More people are leaving California. Yeah, of course. Uh, good line about uh, gas prices here. Leave Florida to go to California because they pay less taxes. Oh, oh there, there it is. This is. This is that kind of moment about, like, like come on, people. Like, what are, what are we even? How many people leave Florida to go to California because they pay less taxes? Uh, I've not seen that. Are people going to, from Florida to New York because they pay less taxes? Of course not. They come to Florida because they pay lower taxes. We don't even have an income tax, and yet California has a higher sales tax than we do, and that's one of the things that we do. But here's the thing, and, and, and I'll, give, I'll give Gavin credit. He did at least admit in his first answer. He's joined at the hip with Biden and Harris. He thinks Biden and Harris have done a great job. He thinks the economy is working because of their policies for Americans, and they are not. And so what California represents is the Biden-Harris agenda on steroids. Uh, they would love nothing more than to get four more years uh, to be able to take the California model nationally. That would be disastrous for working people. In well, let's you know, we'll talk about working people. They pay more in your state than the state of California charges for billionaires and millionaires. And it's just a it's value just proposition. True. It's a fact. Again, you can't make You have six up. or seven dollar a gallon gas. How do, they, how do they afford that? These are folks that are blue collar people. You talking you're going to force everybody to buy an state. electric vehicle. No. How are they going to be able to afford electric vehicles if you're working class people? And I think the thing about California they have one of the highest inequality rates because, yeah, they've got Silicon Valley billionaires. They've got a lot of very wealthy people. They've got a lot of people that are on government assistance, but they've hollowed out their middle class. That's who's been From leaving California. They've been the leaving in other places. They let go me, to Arizona. They go to Nevada. In the they go to all these time, places. Let me just, just I, like I do, Biden I do is hollowing out this I do have a So there's, there's no – so Newsom a couple times uh, uh, voluntarily, <laughs> including his opening statement – 
uh, talked about how great the economy is and, and, and really did connect himself with, with Joe Biden's economic policies. I understand if you want to be a team player and support Joe Biden in general or something, but to, to, to actively go out and support yourself, to connect yourself to Joe Biden's economic policies and the state of the economy, there is no one in this country who thinks the economy is doing well. No matter how much you tell them it is, you can't pull that off. You can't gaslight and trick people into thinking the economy is going well. You can't tell people, uh, oh, you, you, like everyone went to the grocery store within the last three days. We've all been to the grocery store and bought a few things and it's $142 with like a, like a self-checkout cart. Like, like the little cart, not even a full cart, a little, you know, like a, like a half cart, half cart, like a Trader Joe's style cart, like a little cart, a few things for dinner and it's $140. You're like, what in the world? So everyone's done that. And there's no, it doesn't matter if you, that person watches the news and sees a headline that the economy grew by 5.2%. Oh, wow. Things are going great. It's like, no, the economy grew by 5.2% because people are spending more money, not because people think things are great, but because everything's so much more expensive. Because that $132 of groceries used to be $60 of groceries. So you cannot tell people, you cannot give people numbers to tell them, oh, like, oh wow, maybe maybe things are going good. Yesterday at 7 o'clock, I said we would get to it today. Maybe we will. Probably will. I don't know. Uh, about the American dream. And the question from the Wall Street Journal was, is, does the American dream still hold true? And 64% of Americans said no. 64%. Now, I don't think most people thought about that question, actually. I think most people just answered it as, how's the economy doing? And it's going really bad. So I don't know who Newsom thinks he can do here by telling everyone things are great. Can't. They're not. Everyone knows that. All right, so this is a perfect example of the advice we gave DeSantis' team the last couple of days. Gavin Newsom's strategy, really good at it. Again, he's dyslexic, so he's very good at memorizing stuff, is to just steamroll, machine gun. I like DeSantis called it a flurry of lies. Just go, 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 go. And we said the only way to stop that, do you remember what we said? The only way to counter that is to jam it up right away. You have to jam up the flurry of lies on lie number one. You can't let him just go. And we played a bunch of clips of Adam Carolla uh, 10 years ago interviewing Gavin Newsom and jammed him up. He wouldn't let him get him past uh, statistic number one. Right? Newsom has like 12 things I'm going to say in 45 seconds. Boom, 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 boom. California media, he gets them all out. CNN, MSNBC, he's able to get them all out. It's great. You cannot let him get past point number one. So this was the very beginning. The very beginning of the debate, I was like, oh, here comes, here comes, Ron, what are you going to do? Speech you acknowledge 14 that. million jobs, 10 times more than the last three Republican presidents combined. Because he had 815,000 manufacturing the, the, the jobs. Okay, stopped him. There it is. He stopped him right from the beginning. Now, maybe could have done a better job of clearly articulating why it was wrong, but it doesn't matter. It came out right in the beginning, stopped him the very first Stat. Here it is. Jobs ten times more than the last three Republican presidents combined. Because he had eight hundred fifteen thousand manufacturing the, the, the jobs. jobs were because three point nine percent. Are you kidding? Three point nine percent unemployment. As he continues to talk over me, I'll talk to the American people. Three point nine percent unemployment. The lowest black unemployment in American history. The lowest unemployment for Hispanics in American history. The lowest unemployment for women in seventy years. The lowest black poverty rates in history. That's this administration's agenda. And by the way. As you smile and smirk over there, you should know this, the American people. Here's a guy who celebrated Bidenomics just this week, celebrating $28 million that came into your state because of the Chips and Science Act, one of the most significant economic plans right. since FDR. I'm proud of the work Biden and Harris have done. Appreciate you acknowledging. Yeah, okay, so good. So, but you see how he jammed him up in the beginning, but then Newsom did keep going. Right. But at least he stopped it a little bit in the beginning. And, and he needed to do that. And he did that pretty much the entire night. And it's an easy one to jam Newsom up on. 14 million jobs have been created under Biden. And DeSantis was trying to make the point. Yeah, it's because you're counting it. You're, you're starting at the very bottom post-COVID. You're starting at when 23 million jobs were destroyed because of COVID lockdowns. 
and then we built up 14, 14 million from the bottom. So, so we lost 23, gained 14, still down. And everyone knows we're down because when you go to the grocery store or you go to restaurants, you know, the, the wait's forever because there's no one who's working anymore. I still don't understand all that. But the point is, you got to call that out right away. And, New, and DeSantis did a great job of doing that. Well done. Well done. Let's do a little more here. Uh, this is, I think this is the immigration part. Mm, maybe not. Let me talk about it. I got an immigration clip here, but I don't think this is actually. Let's talk about immigration for a second. Newsom's immigration strategy was to come out and say that, hey, hey uh, Gavin Newsom, the border's a mess. You know, 9 million illegal immigrants, the whole thing. We know. What, what do you say to that? And, he, and his answer was, well, Joe Biden came out with a border plan, a $41 billion comprehensive border plan. It's the Republicans who aren't supporting it. Who, who in the world believes that? That it's the Republicans who aren't supporting Joe Biden's border plan. We're going to talk to Marjorie Taylor Greene coming up at 830 today. She issued again articles of impeachment against Mayorkas. So all those Republicans who who blew it on the first go around, they get a chance to redeem themselves. We'll see if they do. We'll ask her what this what Biden's border plan is all about. But then uh, Newsom went into this, oh, you, uh, you, Ron, you played games with people's lives by sending them to Martha's Vineyard. That was so mean. You're such a bully. So, Ga- so Gavin Newsom, because he's dyslexic, his story is that he was really made fun of when he was a kid, sort of like Joe Biden he was, for his stuttering. He was made fun of when he was a kid. So he really knows what it's like to be bullied. He knows what, who bullies are. He's keenly aware of the bully. And he thinks that uh, DeSantis is just a big, bad, big, bad bully man. So he used that a couple times. You hear that? He tried to call him a bully. You're nothing but a bully. And uh, Americans don't like bullies. This is his line. He said. And I think most people watching, I think not even just Fox people, I think most people watching think it's awesome that DeSantis sent people to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, you were a bully when you sent illegal, well, he didn't say illegal, when you sent these people, these human beings, to Martha's Vineyard, you lied to them and sent them to Martha's Vineyard. And I think everyone is like, yeah, that was awesome. And, and Newsom did a, excuse me, DeSantis, I keep getting confused. DeSantis did a great job of saying, yeah, they say, they, they, Martha's Vineyard says they're a sanctuary city. My only critique of DeSantis in that moment would have been to let that sit a little more. Sort of like your in-laws moved to my state. Let that one sit. Oh, I can't believe you would play games with people's lives and send them to Martha's Vineyard for that stunt that you pulled. How dare you? Such a simple rebuttal. Martha's Vineyard issued a statement declaring themselves a sanctuary city. Let that, let that sit. They wanted this. They asked for this. They said, hey, we, you know what we need? We need more illegal immigrants around here. That's what they said. So I gave them illegal immigrants. We're, we in Florida, we're not a sanctuary city. You can't be here if you're an illegal immigrant. Not allowed. Martha's Vineyard. So we're like, okay, where do we send them? Oh, well, let's find a place that, that wants more. And that's Martha's Vineyard. That was one, another moment where I think he could have slowed it down. Because it was a stunt. <laughs> like, of course it was. And he pulled it off. And most Americans were on DeSantis' side with that. Because the lefties on Martha's Vineyard exa- acted exactly like Ron DeSantis and all of us knew that they would act. And they said, get these people out of here. <laughs> they said, we don't. Now, they, they were like, I think at first they were like, what? Get these people out of here. Oh, um, a lot of cameras here. Um. Okay, everyone, uh, make a casserole. Uh, Gertrude, All right, what's, a, what's a Hispanic name? Hispanic maid lady, make a casserole for, the, for your people. And they made some casseroles at the, the non-denominational uh, LGBTQ-friendly church in town. And they added some casserole, and they fed some casseroles, and then they got them out the next day. That was it. And they patted themselves on the back because they care so much for illegal immigrants. I thought that you're a sanctuary city. So it worked out perfectly. I think DeSantis could have owned the Martha's Vineyard stunt a little more. 
I don't think anyone cares like about about the people who illegally broke into our country. Oh, you you really tricked those illegal immigrants. Okay. I, like I didn't. I said I said, "Hey, hop on a bus and you're going to go to one of the richest towns in the country. You guys are really going to hit the jackpot here. You're not going to believe it. We're not going to send you to the middle of nowhere, Arizona." We're going to send you to the nicest place in the country, Martha's Vineyard. You guys, you're not going to believe it. The average house in Martha's Vineyard, it's like $2 million. Like, this is, there's, there is no wealth in Guatemala, like where we're sending you right now. And uh, you guys really lucked out here. And the people, they say they love you. So you, you, win, you win the lottery. You've won the lottery. Not only did you get here illegally, but now we're going to send you to one of the richest places in the entire country. And you're going to get off the bus and the people are going to say, oh, we love you. Welcome. Welcome. We want more of you. Oh, are there more buses? Oh, we wish there were more buses of you. Yet somehow Ron's the bad guy. Give me a break. I think Ron could have really leaned into that more. I'll give you one last thing. We'll take a break. We'll take your phone calls. Uh, Hannity kept coming back on Newsom. Of, oh, like, do you think the board is a problem? Do you think the board is a problem? And Newsom's like, yes, I do. Of course I do. That's why we increased the National Guard by 50%. I was like, oh, Ron. Oh, I wish, please, I wish someone, is there anyone in Ron's team who told him the story of that? No, please. You know the background of that? Gavin Newsom did increase, did, did in fact increase the National Guard, the California National Guard at the border by 50% for drug interdiction. It wasn't uh, immigration, illegal immigrants themselves. It was drug interdiction stuff. He did. He did. It's true. He increased the National Guard by 50% from 40 people to 60 people. So that, <laughs> that's a great example of the spin and deceit that these politicians and Gavin Newsom, of course, is best at. So I, I was like, oh, Ron, please. Because if Ron had that, if he knew that story, I would say, Gavin, how many people, how many guardsmen is that? You said you increased by 50%. How many? Oh, well, you know, it shows our dedication. Uh, uh, Gavin, how many guardsmen did you increase it by? Well, 20. Okay. All right. You're really serious. Real, real big, tough guy at the border. Gavin, 20 people? Eight six six nine five patriot 866-95-PATRIOT. There are a couple things last night we can go over them throughout the day that... Uh, and I don't blame DeSantis at all. You have to be a California. You had to be a California news junkie in order to know some of these stories. Like there was one moment. We'll definitely get to this one, where uh, Newsom was like, "Oh, I, I really believe in local control for school districts." <laughs> what? Uh, again, if you're in California news, which I've been for 12 years, you're you're like, um, "What about the Chino Valley school district? What about the Temecula school district? What about the Murrieta school district?" This is like local news stuff that I wouldn't expect DeSantis to know, but we'll talk about it a little bit later just to prove that Newsom's a big fat liar. But like you needed to, needed to be reminded of that Phil is in Wisconsin. Phil, how are you, sir? Uh, doing great this morning, Mike. Uh, it's Flannel Friday here in uh, Wisconsin. Just Ooh, so what know. is what is what's? Tell me, tell me more about this Flannel Friday. I like it already. Well, Alex had the uh, Hawaiian shirt Friday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's Flannel Friday here. Oh, I like that. Anyway, I bet it's uh, cold. What's cold the weather in Wisconsin right now? Uh, 31 degrees. Not too yeah. bad. Not too yeah, bad. Not, not too bad. Uh, <laughs> Balmy. So a couple things. Uh, I think Ron did well uh, last night. Uh, I think he reminded me of early Reagan back in the 60s and 70s before he got his game on. Um, but a couple strikes mm -hmm. against Ron. Um, he never mentioned... He was running for the highest office in the United States. He had a perfect opportunity to lay it out, but he didn't. Um, and then the second thing is... Wait, I'm sorry, one, one more time. So, so you're saying... Say that again. What, what should well, he have He done? never mentioned that he's running for president. DeSantis. It, yeah. It's like, dude, you had a platform you know, with 100,000 people or a million people or whatever. Lay out your case a little bit. Um, so that's just you know one... Yep. Monday morning quarterback or couch quarterback, you know, sitting there saying. And the second thing is he didn't stare down Gavin. You know, he should have – he kept looking straight ahead at, at Hannity. And I don't know. He just seemed like he's 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 good. But, you know, I don't think he's there yet. A few more years, um, you know, it, he'll be a lot better. Oh, I think that's right. No, very good. Uh, Phil, I appreciate the call. Uh, yeah. 
I don't think there's anyone who saw last night and thought, oh, I think I think we're going to support Ron DeSantis for president in 2024. Like, I, like that didn't happen. Because, and, I, and to your first point, I don't think Ron DeSantis still is running for president. I mean, tactically, he's, I mean, he's, he'll be at the debate next week, right? So he's still kind of it. But I think he knows. Does he really think he's going to, what, win Iowa and catapult himself above Trump for South Carolina? Like, the, like that, that's, not, that's not a thing. So I think it was actually smart for DeSantis not to bring up that he was running for president and try to make his brand different. Like, like cause clearly he, he's the, he's a loser right now. When it comes, when it comes to running for president, he's losing a lot. So that, that ship has sailed right now. It's just try to repair the idea that I'm a good governor. Cause that is a fact. There's no question. He's a good governor. And I've bemoaned this uh, reality before that the campaign for president has nothing to do. Unfortunately, has nothing to do with how effective you are as a, as a leader, it's like all this, it's all the stupid stuff, you know, like, Oh, you good at your 30 second sound bites and the stump speeches and uh, raising money and like all this other background stuff that is irrelevant to being present. I remember we gave the analogy. It's like, Oh, you want to be, uh, what a name a job. You want to be, um, the, the, the salesman for our company. Okay. We got 10 people in the running. How are we going to decide who's the, who's going to be the lead salesperson? All right, well, let's have a, uh, a 5k race. And whoever wins the 5K becomes the best our sales leader. And you're like, well, that has nothing to do with being salesmen. Who can run a 5K faster? But that's what we do. So uh, this was an opportunity for Ga- for DeSantis not to run for president because he's not good at that. But it was an opportunity for him to showcase how good of a governor he is. And he is an excellent governor. Because that's, really, that's the difference between these two. That's the difference between the two. DeSantis is a governor. Newsom's a, a salesman. And an excellent salesman. And that's why I thought Newsom was going to crush it so much because this is a, a platform that where salesmen shine. How, how do you have a governor? How do you shine as a governor in a debate like this? Well, you let the facts speak for themselves. And that, that's what actually did happen last night. So I don't, I don't think he needed to say that he was running for president. Everyone knows. Uh, I don't even really think he is even running for president anymore. If anything, this was an opportunity for him to praise Donald Trump more and try to get that VP slot, which I think we mentioned yesterday and a bunch of people called in and said, Oh, you can't be from the same state. You can be from the same state. Um, it's five 36. <laughs> I've blown through two commercial breaks. Let's take a break. You technically can be from the same state. That, um, I'll come back. I'll explain how Ron DeSantis can in fact be Donald Trump's vice president running vice presidential running mate. And I think that needed to be DeSantis's play last night. I think he could have leaned more into that. He could have talked more about how, hey, listen, you, Newsom, you and uh, you say you're joined at the hip with Biden and Bidenomics. That's a disaster for our country. It was Donald Trump and his policies that, that gave us the greatest economy that this country's ever seen. We need to get back to the policies of Donald Trump. Present yourself more as a VP guy. And I think Donald Trump would have re-embraced Ron DeSantis. And that, that, that's a powerful ticket. Because as we said yesterday, Trump's VP pick, more than any VP pick, VP pick ever, is the Republican nominee for 2028. Because Trump's only going to serve four years. So this VP pick is a big deal for the Republican Party. And I think Ron should be vying for that. So if anything, he missed that opportunity yesterday. Because he's not going to win the presidency. That, I mean, come on. listening to Breitbart News Daily. I want to go right to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who two days ago put up uh, another attempt to impeach the Homeland Security Department Chief Mayorkas. Congresswoman, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Great. I'm just the, like, the, the story of how you got totally Sarah palin by the media and were able to power through that and, and not get taken out by it. And it's just awesome. <laughs> it's such a great story. Aww, you, thank you, know I mean? you. Like they tried to absolutely destroy you. First is, I don't know, was it first you were an idiot and then you were evil or were you evil and then an idiot? Which was the order of operations? Oh, all 
of it. They gave me every phobia, every kind of title, you know, I'm Nazi, same as they do to President Trump, same as they did to Sarah Palin, same as they do to anyone that they know is sincere about just being solidly pro-America and conservative and pro-family and you know, that's, that's, they hate us. They absolutely hate us. So if they find out that you're real and you mean it and you're going to follow through with what you say, they try to do anything they can to just take you out. Yeah, so be like MTG. That's the moral of the story. Pull, pull an MTG <laughs> if they ever try to do that to you. Um, Congressman, I got to talk to you about impeaching Mayorkas. So um, mm. we talked right after the vote of, from your first attempt. Uh, we talked to Congressman Tom McClintock. <laughs> what do you what do you mean what why why the chuckle oh, I, just, I just was delighted to hear you talk to him oh, yeah sure no, no. See, see so he was said. he uh so we chatted and he said um uh, mike he never committed a crime and we can't impeach people who don't commit an actual high crime and misdemeanor Wow. Well, you know, here's the problem with these guys. And Tom McClintock's not the only one. They call themselves constitutionalists. But really, they're, they're like a bunch of guys trying to pretend like they're the founding father, founding father <laughs> sitting around with powdered white wigs on, you know, spewing the Constitution. But in reality, they're treating the Constitution like they're a historian that is, is just keeping it locked away in a glass box. They're not willing to use the power in the Constitution. And, you know, if the founding fathers were alive today and saw what's happening in our southern border, I believe we would have a full-scale war with the cartels. But we don't have enough people in Washington that recognize the real enemy, which are the cartels that are murdering um, over 300 Americans every single day. They're making billions of dollars off of human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, and um, we have Republicans in Congress like Tom McClintock, Ken Buck, and others that, that just want to protect Secretary Mayorkas's job and make sure that he keeps his job and that he keeps the borders open and that Americans keep dying every single day. Uh, he said that if, if, you, if the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, I believe was his exact line, if the Marjories yeah. have their way, and we just impeach Mayorkas for not even committing a crime, then you can expect that the Democrats will do that against us next time they're in power. <laughs> Was Tom McClintock paying attention when the Democrats impeached President Trump twice for nothing? It, you you kind of wonder, like, what's wrong with his brain? I, I, I don't know what else to say. I think the American people agree with me and not Tom McClintock. So yesterday or two days ago, we were talking to Congressman uh, Obernolte from uh, Southern California, mm -hmm. and I, we were talking about how there's an ICE detention facility in his district that's 0.3% full and how we should be putting people in the ICE. And it's like, okay. So I just threw, I was like, hey, so you voted to impeach Mayorkas, right? And he's like, oh, well, no. I was like, what? So he was one of the people who didn't vote at all. And so he did the whole thing too. He did the whole, well, Congressman, what's the point anyway? He's not going to be convicted in the Senate. So why do it at all? What do you say to that? Oh, yeah. So why do anything? I mean, that's, you could just ask that question. Why do anything? Because it won't go through the Senate. Why would Republicans actually lift a finger to do their job? Because, oh, it won't go through the Senate. Maybe it's because voters don't trust Republicans anymore. And, uh, you know, most people I talk to, they are putting their solid hope in getting President Trump reelected in 2024. And that's the only hope they have. Because Republicans in Congress are so feckless and worthless and refuse to lift their finger to do anything and have nothing but stupid excuses like the ones that you're talking about. So let's talk about the future of the Republican Party. After President Trump, are voters going to want to put their trust and faith in Republicans after Republicans have done nothing to stop our country from literally burning to the ground? Uh, this is what this is the daily argument I have with my colleagues, and I cannot tell you how frustrating it is. I feel like I'm talking to absolute idiots most of the time. We had a call. We're talking with Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman from Georgia. She has a book out. Just came out called MTG. Just go get that MTG. Uh, I don't know, Congresswoman, if 
the caller we had stole this from a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or a website or heard it from I don't know but the first time I ever heard it was when someone called in and said do not confuse my vote for Trump as a support for the Republican Party Uh, (laughs) that's a unique thought Uh, you can you can steal it from our listener our caller well you know what that that bumper sticker or meme or whatever that comment is the general comment I'm hearing from people all over the country that is exactly how Republican voters feel. Guess what? I'm a Republican member of Congress, and that's how I feel. <laughs> Literally, I feel that way. Yeah. So, and I told that to Obernolte. I said, "Man, listen, like, what are you doing? Like, no, no. Do you feel it? Do you like? So, do these other congressmen? Do they feel the frustration? Is not even the right word of the of the Republican Party right now? Do they know it, or are they totally oblivious?" They're oblivious. I think I think our problem is is we now this isn't everyone, so it's unfair for me to generalize. There's really there's some good ones in there. But f- there's a large portion of Republican members of Congress that think the Democrats are the Democrats that Ronald Reagan had to deal with. Yeah. That's where they're they're stuck back then. And they just want to have, you know, oh, the gentleman across the aisle, the gentle lady across the aisle. I'm sorry. There's nothing gentleman or gentle lady about the Democrats. They literally are declaring war on our country. And Republicans, many of them, are not recognizing the war that we're facing and are unwilling to lift a finger to stop it. And it, it, it blows my mind every single day. And I walk in our conference meetings and I walk in the House chamber and I walk in my uh, committees and they treat me like I'm the problem. The things that I say are wrong. Oh, Marjorie's just not mature enough. That's what Daryl Issa said about me uh, when I tried to impeach Mayorkas a few weeks ago. Oh, she lacks, she's hardworking, but she lacks maturity. You know the maturity level that they're lacking is my question to them, and I've asked it out loud to them, is how many dead American bodies have to pile up every single day before you guys have the maturity to actually impeach Secretary Mayorkas. That's that's where it's at. It's it's honestly it's I, I don't know. I can't even I get so upset over it. I can't I can't even believe that it's a conversation I have to have with these people. Marjorie Taylor Green, author of the book MTG, our mutual friend Jesse Kelly sent out a tweet the other day. Uh, he said the most dangerous thing happening on the planet is Western governments turning against their own citizens as if they're the enemy. And I, I sense that on a microcosm scale with you, with the Republican Party. Like as you said, you walk into the conference meetings and you're the bad guy. You're the you're the crazy psycho loon. And it's like, guys, so how do you earn that respect back? Or w- what do you do? What's your mission? Well, let me tell you what else I have on my side. Every single one of these congressmen that are mad at me and, and, and are, 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 are shaming me for what I say back home in their districts, most of their Republican voters actually support me. So I carry around a lot of power because I have the people's support because I'm, I am trying to do every single day what our voters actually want. And I actually care about the people. I don't, I don't care about Washington, D.C. I could care less. I don't care about being besties with Republicans in Congress. I could care less. I'm here to do, do a job. It's about working for me. It's not about um, going to cocktail parties and, and having fancy dinners after votes. I don't do any of that stuff. So, so I do carry a lot of weight when I walk in the room and they, they get mad at me and they challenge me and they yell at me, but they also know if I want to go stomp around in their district that I can, I can raise their own constituents up against them. And I don't want to have to do that, but if that's what it takes to force my conference, to actually do their job and stand up against the Democrats, the communist Democrats destroying our country, I absolutely will travel all over to as many Republican districts as I need to. So I think it was yesterday or two days ago, you put up the articles of impeachment again. And a bunch of listeners were sending that to me saying, hey, that guy you just talked to, that Congressman Obernolte and McClintock, they have a chance to redeem themselves. So you went to the floor, you put it up again, but then you, you took it down. Why did you take down a second effort to impeach the Homeland Security Department chair? Because I finally got a guarantee from our new speaker, Mike Johnson, and I got a guarantee from Chairman Mark Green of the Homeland Committee, who has really done an incredible job with all of our investigations. I really have to give props to Mark Green and the entire Homeland Committee members and staff. They've done an incredible job. 
We have produced the evidence. We have produced the numbers. We have produced all the evidence of the crimes that Tom McClintock has his eyes squeezed shut because his powdered wig is too tight on his head. But we have done all this. And and I got a guarantee from Mark Green and, and um, our, our new speaker, Mike Johnson, that we are going to impeach Mayorkas. It's going to happen soon. And we're going to do it through the Homeland Committee, not through Judiciary, where Tom McClintock can vote no. So I, I got a guarantee finally, and that nobody in the conference will have one single excuse because they can't hide behind the processes excuse. They can't hide behind anything. We're going to follow through with it. Yeah, that's great. So, the, yeah, the process, that was one of the other things, McClintock. Oh, we got to follow the process. It's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the process. This is the process. The process. <laughs> Impeachment. Yeah. Yes. Like, so they all say that, but guess what? We can impeach anybody with a four vote. We don't have to have a process. And like I said, it's it's ridiculous for these guys to sit up here in Washington, D.C., while over 300 Americans die every day, while thousands of people illegally cross our borders every single day, while veterans up in New York, there was a story out in New York Post yesterday that a, a, like I think he's an 80 or 90-year-old veteran got kicked out of the nursing home because they needed to put illegal aliens in the nursing home. So for these process guys, I, I just, it, it's outrageous. It's like, how many, how many horrible things have to happen before you guys can get over your little process excuses? Do we like Mike Johnson? I like him personally. I, I really do. I think he's a good guy. He's a good Christian, husband, father. Um, but he's been, you know, passing the clean CR. I voted against it. I thought it was absolutely the wrong way for him to start a speakership continuing Joe Biden's budget, the budget that Nancy Pelosi passed. Um, all he's been talking about yesterday what, at our conference was funding Ukraine. And I'm totally against that. I have voted no to every single Ukraine funding bill. And I think it is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous to fund Ukraine at this point, because everyone knows they're stealing our money. They're enriching themselves. They're losing the war. And this is Washington's war against Russia. And we should not be fighting it. The war that is facing us is the cartels. And and, and our stupid capital up here refuses to realize who the real enemy is and refuses to do anything about the border. Now, he says he's going to exchange border policy for Ukraine funding. But again, are we really going to trust the Biden administration to enforce border policy? No, we can't enforce. We can't trust the Biden administration to enforce it. We would just be handing them a policy win that they could brag on uh, during their campaigns in 2024. And we know there wouldn't be any results. Okay, I got one more border question, but real quick. Genuine question. I just gave you a softball, Congresswoman. You, you talked about how mm-hmm. Speaker Johnson promised you that he would put this impeachment to the vote. And you shouldn't you have said, uh, when I say, hey, Mike Johnson, we like him, right? Shouldn't you have been like, oh, he's great, he's wonderful, blah, blah, blah. You just, you spoke, you criticized him. Shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't you be buttering up him up right now? No, I'm going to be honest at all times. I, butter, I did. I said nice things about him personally, but when I talked about policy, we should not be funding Ukraine. We shouldn't be. Our, our Ukraine is not the 51st state. It's not equal to the United States border. It's not equal to what the cartels is doing to our people and our country. Um, so, no, I'm not interested in buttering up anybody. I'm interested in holding my party accountable and, and getting them to do the right thing. That's most important. I don't know if you saw the debate yesterday between DeSantis and Gavin. Um, and Gavin said that it's the Republicans' fault that there's not border security because Biden proposed a $43 billion comprehensive border plan. Uh, have you looked at that border plan? Is there anything good in it? Um, there's some technology things in there that I think are good. However, when we're going to talk about technology, let's talk about the CBP-1 app, which is uh, Mayorkas and Joe Biden special, that is, is really the way for illegals to expediate their way into invading our country and has been a complete failure. Um, so no, I, Gavin, this is, this is what I'm talking about when I say Mike Johnson, if he trades border policy for Ukraine funding, what you heard Gavin Newsom say about our, our border plan, it's literally talking points for the Democrats to use on the campaign trail because the border issue is actually hurting them. And so, you know, it's a really bad strategy to, to 
allow them to have any talking points like Gavin Newsom tried to produce during that debate last night. Last question for you, Congresswoman. Uh, we've been talking the last couple of days on the show about the American dream uh, and, and what is it? So I want to ask you what it is. Uh, Washington Journal poll, Wall Street Journal poll said 63% of Americans no longer believe in the American dream. How do you define the American dream? I've lived the American dream. My parents lived the American dream. Uh, my father started the construction company that I grew up in. Uh, I bought that company from my parents. It wasn't given to me. I literally took years having to pay my parents for the company. Then I ran that company myself for over 20 years, um, raised my family. We didn't, we didn't, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I, I know what the American dream is, but I can totally understand why 63% of Americans think it's dead. And it's because Washington, D.C. has been killing it for decades. And this, I write about this in the first chapter of my book, and it's so important for people to understand the, the, what happened to our country when they sent our jobs overseas and manufacturing went overseas and people lost their jobs. And not only did they lose their jobs, it affected their lives. They lost hope. There weren't other jobs to find in rural America when the manufacturing plant shut down the biggest job producer in a small town. And it, you know, it crippled people with alcoholism and drugs and divorce and it hurts the entire family. And I've watched it for so many years um, growing up and, and living all, you know, in the state of Georgia. Um, and, and I think it's really important. So I really hope people read my book, MTG. You're going to find out exactly who I am, not what the headlines say. And you'll, you'll read about the policies I believe in that, that we need to have uh, to bring our country back so that people can believe in the American dream again. Yep. Go get it. MTG by Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Thank you, ma'am. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Okay, Thank you. you too. Bye-bye. MTG's the book. I'm American made. I got American parts. I got American Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily today and all this week. We'll be back all next week as well. Uh, I did a TV hit the other day, and I was asked a question about uh, the great leveling. It was with Jesse Kelly, and Jesse's like, "Hey, a while ago you mentioned Slater this thing called the Great Leveling. Uh, what was it again?" And I, I like kind of butchered the answer. I didn't do it, so I got to do it again for my own sanity. Uh, so on Monday, we'll talk about this idea of the Great Leveling that is, has taken place across our culture, and how we need to make things very unlevel again. Make make America unlevel again. We'll explain on Monday. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then. Spread the word.